0: At eLearning Brothers, we're helping everyone become an eLearning rock star with advice from learning industry thought leaders and how-to tips for engaging learners. This podcast features audio from our weekly webinar series. You can register to watch future webinars live at elearningbrothers.com. In this episode, we're covering the end of life for Flash. Without further ado, I'll turn the time over to our presenter, James Kingsley.
1: And hello, everybody. This is Rich. Um, great to. Have James in studio uh, today to talk us to kind of talk us through this uh, very industry-changing event that's looming for next year. Um, I had to update one. I had to update my bio recently because uh, used to say I'm a 20-year guy in the workplace learning and performance arena. Now I'm a 25-year guy. I'm just getting old. So I remember back in the day in the early '90s when everything was just flash. I think we all do and as organizations have grown up and added more and more learning to your LMS and uh, more and more offering tools have come on the market which have varying levels of flash output. Um, I think we all know, and there's a lot of people on this uh, webinar today who I think are very interested in this topic because certainly I think it's gonna impact all of our business um, when you want, we all probably all have nightmares where you're gonna come in one day and, or your learner's are gonna come in and you're gonna get, your inbox is gonna be blown up with uh, this, crash, this window's not working, there's uh, nothing happening on this page, and uh, using Google Chrome, or IE, or you name it, I mean, it's just, and James, I hope you'll get into a little bit of, what are we already seeing? I know some browsers aren't even supporting Flash anymore, And um, but when that switch flips next year, I want to hear all about kind of what we can expect. Elearning Brothers has just sort of entered the market with this Flash Finder tool, and James is the key architect behind it, uh, so he's the perfect guy to be on the call today. I think we'll, you'll get to learn a little bit about what we've got uh, right here uh, on the table right now to help you uh, with this transition. and So that's what we're going to be talking about. I'll kind of pipe in as we move along. James will be the main event. Uh, but James, I'll kick it over to you to get us going. Thanks. Hello, all. Uh,
2: as I said, I'm James Kingsley. Um, I haven't been in the industry quite 25 years, but
1: it's, it's, it's been a long time. <laughs> You're not as though, old as me? Wait, I thought we were the same age. Oh, you were doing other stuff. Yeah, I was doing other <laughs> stuff.
2: But uh but to that effect, uh, I have an email address that's uh And so if there's any flash developers out there, that that's an old school like line of flash uh code there. And so I was so into flash that I created an email address. That's my uh my Twitter handle on So I I am or was a lover of flash. Uh, But times have changed, it's time to move on, and so today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, why, let me jump slides here, why flash is going to uh, go away, why flash is going to go away, what does that mean for your courses, and how do you know which of your courses are going to be affected by this change, and what our flash finder is, which I call F3, uh, and what can you do about your courses that are gonna be affected by this. Um, So let me jump in first, just a a little more about me. It's all about me. Uh, So I am the the founder of reviewmyelearning.com, courseportfolios.com, which is uh, about to roll out in beta. So hit the website and sign up for the beta list now. And geforcelearning.com, that's where we do our uh, e-learning development there. And as you know, I am closely tied to eLearning Brothers because I love the work they're doing here. As a matter of fact, you can find more about me or my blog post or contact me through any of these URLs. So you hit the eLearning Brothers blog, you can hit my website, and uh, hit me up on LinkedIn as well, there. So let's jump in. Why is Flash ending? Sad days. Um, So, uh, first off, it's good to know that nobody's targeting Flash specifically. Uh, A bunch of other um, plugins for browsers have gone away or are going away, just nobody cared as much about these other ones. So, if you recall Java applets, or uh, Silverlight or QuickTime. That's how we used to get video to work in uh, a browser. All those things went away too. Basically, anything that was a uh, an NP API or an ActiveX plugin to a browser um, is is on the way out. And one of the primary reasons why is security. So the way these applications work was. It was basically its own application running inside the browser, and it had a lot of control over what, the, what it could do in the browser and what it could do on your system itself. And unfortunately, there wasn't really any control over who was developing these apps and how they were developing them. And so it made it very easy, if you, if you have an app running in your browser and it has pretty much unfettered access to let's say your file system, then it made it very easy for, for a, a black hat to make a program that could access your, your files or trick you into doing something else. And so it just wasn't very secure because it wasn't much control over. it. Another big issue with all these is the support issues. So you had to have a version of Flash for Chrome, and Firefox, and Internet Explorer, uh, Linux, and uh, all the other operating systems would all have their own version. And so it was very hard for people to install if they didn't have admin privileges. And so there was just a whole lot of support issues, people calling up the support desk saying, hey, I can't get this to work. If they found a security flaw, they would have to push out all those updates to all those different uh, Flash versions and it would just take a long time to percolate down the system and get to the end user's browser, particularly in large corporations where it sometimes is more important there. And then one of, one of the final like death nails was uh, mobile because it was just really hard to get flash to be optimized for mobile. Um, it was a battery killer. Uh, and part of that again, goes back to that limited control over the apps and the developers because a developer that's new to Flash might create some sort of a loop that's that's running in Flash just to check and see if some variable has changed or something. But every one of those loops is eating up a, a processor cycle on your phone, and each processor cycle is eating up some battery. And so it was just, uh, again, just killing the batteries on, on mobile. Then in 2007, uh, Steve Jobs famously uh, wrote a letter saying why he would never allow Flash to be on any Apple device. Uh, sorry, any mobile app device. And so, that that really began part of the, the downward spiral for, for Flash there. Then, around that time, the open standards of HTML5 and CSS3 uh, started to come into play. And as those standards have clicked into place over the years, Uh, more and more of the things that we used to have to rely on Flash to do, we can now just do right in the browser, straight in JavaScript and HTML5 and CSS3. And so it's really enabled us to to move that from this very niche proprietary product to this very open standard uh, atmosphere there. And so we don't really need it as much anymore as we used to. We're not quite there yet, I don't think, but close, close. So what what does this mean for your courses? Well, you may have already seen some issues in your courses. And so I just wanted to pull up, this is a course that I built some time ago. And doesn't this course just look amazing? You love it, right? Um, And so the problem here is, this is the latest version of Chrome and flash isn't even showing. There's not even something there that tells me there's flash. If I move my mouse around in there, I can see a little pop-up that says uh, Adobe Flash Player on there. Um, But it's up to to the learner to figure out, Hey, there's something going on here. What's happening. Then they're going to click it. Then they get this little pop-up box. Let's hope that they read it and that they don't click block because that's going to lead to a whole lot of other problems. And then if you do hit allow, then finally your course will load up and be in there. That was an old Storyline file. No, actually that was a particular Presenter file. Uh, This is a Lectora file. One of the cool things about Lectora is for a long time, it's really just been HTML output. So you'd think you might not have to worry about that much, but a lot of times people would augment their Lectora courses with Flash. And so here's just a little example I put together. Ah, darn it. I clicked the thing earlier to allow it. And so now I've ruined my whole surprise. So this is what we're getting incognito here. Uh, In some windows it would be the exact same as that other one where there's actually nothing there. And so if you have text describing this animation or this interaction that's happening off to the side, people aren't going to see that it's over there and then they're going to run into a problem. And again, heaven forbid they click block because that's going to block everything from that whole, uh, domain there, or at least that that subdomain. And then next time they're in your LMS and they try to watch another one, they're not even going to get this of information in there. So those are some problems that we've seen as of now. If you want to see some problems as they're coming out, um, Google Chrome, you can download what they call the Canary version. And so that's their future build of it. And so they release that, um, I think it's once every week. And so that's what Chrome is gonna look like in the future. And you can download it now and play with it. So it's a fun way to see, well, what is my website, what is my course gonna look like six months from now in the next version of Chrome? So that's uh, Canary from Google Chrome. So all this leads to confused and frustrated uh, learners. If they mistakenly block your LMS, then you're gonna get even more support desk tickets. And when those support desk tickets are coming in, uh, that's just eating up more time for your support staff as well. And in 2020, uh, they're gonna remove it altogether from from Chrome and uh, pretty much all the the modern browsers. Um, The next version of Internet Edge, or what do they call it, Microsoft Edge, uh, which is Microsoft's uh, web browser, the next version is actually built on top of Chrome. Uh, chromium which is the engine underneath chrome and so the next version of microsoft edge internet explorer is also built on chrome so when these changes start rolling out to chromium it's going to affect pretty much all the browsers out there
1: james i'm so now, curious yeah. uh, if i could jump in real quick sure. i know that so we have multiple lmss across the board matter of fact i'd love to ask the group we have a uh, lots of people on the on the line today but if you wouldn't mind what, what LMSs are you using? You know, there's some of the bigger names out there. If you could type in the chat panel, uh, Andrew Townsend can probably, Andrew just give us maybe a little rundown, or I don't know if you can see the chat panel there in the studio, uh, James, but we can get a little rundown of what LMSs are you using in your organization? And then while while folks are typing that in, if you wouldn't mind sharing with us, just kind of a high level, just the name of your LMS. Sure, there's a quite
0: Coming in, we've got Sava, Absorb, ADP, LMS, uh, Success Factors, uh, Storyline, SumTotal, uh, Oracle, Taleo, um, BBS. Okay, great. Uh, Canvas, uh, LearnUpon, Litmos, Moodle. Uh, awesome. DTL, There's, a, I mean, there's a lot. So many,
1: oh, yeah, so many learning management systems out there, and those are all names we've heard. And James, I know you've been the wizard in many of those uh, LMS is fixing this issue or that issue or whatnot. is it would you comment on this issue It's really a browser issue right and every LMS is really accessed through a browser so I don't know if LMS is have you are you aware of LMS companies uh, trying to address this issue or we're not aware that they are but I just wonder if you could speak to it a little bit Yeah. um
2: you are correct. It's it's a browser issue. It's not an LMS issue. Um, we have been working with some LMSs now to incorporate our Flash Finder tool into their LMS to help their customers be able to find their courses that, that are going to be affected by this. Um, I don't know if we have a list yet of, of the ones that we are partnering with. Um, and and that's to integrate with. Um, in, a, in a moment, when I get to uh, how our tool works, uh, we'll see that it, it works with most LMSs. Uh,
0: there is a question coming up. So you've mentioned um, Microsoft Edge and Chrome, but there's a lot of other uh, other browsers that people may be using. If I'm using a different browser, am I safe? No,
2: no. If, well, if you're using a browser from 2005, you are, yeah. Uh, but if, if you're using pretty much anything, so Firefox, uh, Safari, Uh, Microsoft Edge, Chrome, uh, Opera, they're they're all gonna stop support uh, in the very near future for Flash, um, if they haven't already. There are some folks that are still using IE 11 for corporate use, and so they they might be okay for a while, but IE 11 is gonna lose support very soon, and so they're gonna need to get off that browser as well. Um, the browser cycles have changed a lot too. I don't know if you remember back in the day, we'd all be excited because, you know, Netscape version five just came out, but now you don't even notice when a new version browser can't, comes out because it's just silently updating in the background all, all the time uh, in there. Um, I wanted to circle back around. Um, Part, part, of, part of the reason why I was wondering about LMSs too is because there's so many out there. So then if you want, and we don't have to read the responses of this, I'm just curious if anybody's happy with their LMS. So if you're, if you're happy, say yes. If you're, or, or we'll do smiley faces and sad faces. You can just throw those into the chat room there. I'm just curious. All right. All right, so how are you gonna figure out which of your courses are affected by this flash issue? So first off, you could just take a guess you make an educated guess, you could think back through your head, you know, what's the oldest course I made? Uh, what's the oldest course we bought and put in our LMS? And, and you, you can start working on it that way. Um, you can rely on your developer's memory, or, or maybe that's, hey, look how I spell developers. You, you, you could rely on developer's memory. <clears throat> um, and just think back, particularly like if you have those, uh, maybe it's an HTML5 course, but you stuck one little Flash thing in there, and so you're going to have to try to think back, what was that course where we made that really cool interaction with the thing there? And so there, those are some ways that you just start guessing about it. Um, you could just wait until learners complain. Eventually, you know, somebody's going to launch a course, they're going to uh, call the help desk and say, hey, what's what's going on with this course? And so then you'll know, hey, there's one that we need to to work on. Um, you could test them all. You can just log into your, your learning management system and just start going through all the courses, so see how they work. I'd recommend using the Canary for that. And then um, you could also use the eLearn Brothers Flash File Finder, and we'll talk about how that works. So <clears throat> first, uh, our solution is automated. So it's running on a web server, uh, on Amazon Web Services. And so it's connecting from server to server and it's all completely automated, so there's no manual having to, to go in and hand test stuff there. For most LMSs, it's gonna connect via your LMS's API. So if you're not familiar with an API, it's just a like a common standard language that will, allows two servers to communicate with one another. Um, and in a way, probably, all of you have used an API because um, SCORM and uh, XAPI are both examples of of a limited sort of definition of an API. And so we get your API credentials and we can connect to your learning management system from server to server. Then we start searching through all of your, your courses in your LMS and we start identifying anything that is a flash or a flash video inside that course structure. Once we have that, we can get more information from the LMS, sometimes from the course itself, depending on what tool it was developed in, and other times from from the LMS. We can get the course title, how many flash files there were, if there's an HTML5 option present in the course. Because as you know, a lot of the the tools now, you have a choice, you know publish to Flash and HTML5, and so maybe it's not that big of a deal that you have some Flash files in there, um, because there's that HTML5 option that's there as well. We can grab uh, the number of registered learners, so how many people are currently enrolled in that course. We can tell you if it was a SCORM course or XAPI course, In most cases, we can tell you what tool it was developed in. Was this a Captivate course? Was it a Lectora course? Was it Storyline? And we can tell sometimes who developed that course, when it was uploaded, how long the course is, 27 minutes long, the number of slides in the course, and also grab the course ID from the LMS as well. That's going to give you a lot of information to help you uh, make the decisions going down the line. So now what can you do with courses that have flash on them For starters I'm gonna mercy uh, and I I know people have a lot of high hopes but there is no magic conversion tool out there um, I have been approached in the last year by several companies that say hey we've got we've got this great tool. you just send us your your course and we'll magically convert it and send it back Their great tool is is a lot of developers working really hard to to hand develop that into something else um, There was for a time some tools that could convert uh, a simple flash animation into an html5 animation but when you start adding logic in there um, such as uh, you know our courses now are very complex kudos to uh, you know all, all the leaders in the course develop uh, course tool business because the output of those courses is really quite complex if you think about the the logic behind um, locking the next button and tool, and until a learner's done all this stuff, that, that's a lot of logic that goes into that. And there's just no tool out there that can just magically click a button and boom, uh, your Flash files are converted to, to HTML5. Sorry. If you have the source files for your course, so let's say you, you identify a course and it's a it's a Captivate course and you, you look through your uh, your enterprise directory and you, you find the uh, .CAPTX file, uh, so you find that, um, then actually you're, you're in luck because you, you could take that, open it up in, in the newest version of Captivate or Storyline, whatever tool it was in, and, uh, and republish that to HTML5. Now, there's going to be some caveats there because some things that weren't supported, you know, uh, back then or supported now and vice versa. Um, sometimes things are treated a little bit differently from one version to the other. So, uh, you're definitely going to want to QA that content and that publish. And, it, it might be a good time to update that thing too, because if you have a a course that's like five years old and it's been out there in your LMS, maybe it's a great time to freshen up the graphics, change the logo, whatever changes have happened uh, over that five years, it might be a great time to to go ahead and update that course while you have it open. If the source files are FLAs, in other words, if it's an actual flash file, so it's not a flash file that was produced by one of our off-the-shelf tools we're most familiar with, but it's an actual flash file that was made by a Flash ActionScript developer, and you happen to have the source FLA files, then you may be able to convert those uh, using Adobe's Animate tool. Um, they they really haven't been advertising too much, but they basically turned their Flash development tool into this Adobe Animate tool, and you can open those FLA's up and publish them out as, as HTML5. Um, for fun, I took a couple of my old ones and I tried them. Um, first problem I ran into is they had AS2 script in them, which was the really old version of uh, ActionScript that was inside there, and so it told me I needed to to upgrade that to AS3, which was the newer version of ActionScript, and then it would try to convert that to JavaScript for me. What it did, in fact, was it just commented out a lot of <laughs> a lot of the code that I had inside the course, and so you would just need to go back and rewrite that that code. Um, into the uh, Adobe Animate JavaScript in there, um, <clears throat> but at that point it might be best just to to move on and 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 put them in a new tool because working in Adobe Animate again it's a very proprietary tool and it takes a very specific kind of developer. But working in one of our off-the-shelf tools that we're more familiar with, uh, it really gives you more flexibility. So if you if you have the source file in the FLA's. Um, you can try to convert them, but better off probably moving it to something else. Oh yeah, and, then, and that's another one too. Almost all the old files I opened up, they were like, hey, you're missing this font, you're missing that font. So just a, a heads up, um, if you have some specific fonts that you were using back in the day, you, you might need to go find those fonts again, or choose a new font that's, that's close to it. Now, if you do not have the uh, source files, or you don't like your old tool, um, and you're gonna move it into a new tool, then you know, the process is basically, you, you choose a new development tool, and luckily for you, you have pretty much the best storyboard in the world, you have the actual course there, and so you or your developers can, can watch the course and then recreate that in your chosen tool there. Um, one problem you might run into is the, the images or the audio that was embedded in those, the text and stuff, And so we've used a few tools to extract those from from flash files. Um, A lot of the older courses, they might would publish out a separate folder that had all the images and stuff, but you're going to have to go regather those things if you don't have the the original source files. Um, And we've had some good luck pulling it out of uh, published flash stuff in the past so that you can reuse it. Again, it's probably a good time to revisit the course and think about how you can update that course, make it fresher and newer as well.
1: Hey James, as you're walking through that, the different, you know, all the courses that are out there, it makes me think about, you know, any given time our custom team is running about 70, 80 different projects with various, you know, a couple dozen different clients to build custom courseware. A lot of the courses we're building are compliance related courses. They're maybe sales training or some soft skills kind of training for leaders or maybe a new process or management type training. a lot of it's product knowledge. I'm curious to all the folks that are on the line today, what, what courses are you most worried about, I wonder, uh, in your world that uh, are most likely to become a bugaboo? I know many of our clients, uh, and even in my old days as I managed uh, learning teams for a major financial organization, um, keeping track of all of the compliance-related stuff um, over many, many years, um, and as new hires come on board, right, there's a, there's a certain learning path they have to follow. They've got their own little personalized development plan. Um, all that stuff um, certainly creates a lot of stuff to kind of keep track of and get your hands around. So if, if you want to type in the, in the panel there, it'd be interesting to know what are you most worried about in terms of your courses?
0: As these are coming in, um, there's product-based, training courses, compliance courses, courses that were made in older versions of authoring tools. Yeah. Sales and process training with interactions and rollovers, compliance, software, business unit courses, and, and yeah, th- there's more of the same. A lot of a lot of uh, compliance and uh, software training. Hmm. Oh, and games. That's true. Any games that you built uh, in Flash will be will be in trouble here. Some yeah. onboarding as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Good point. That's a good point. Games are a big deal. We we've seen some really cool Flash games over the years. I'm sure all of us have touched them and played them. That's hurt, that hurts, for sure, when uh, your awesome Flash game everybody loves, doesn't work anymore. So right. anyway, th- thanks for the responses, everybody.
2: That's a great question. Thanks. All right, so some considerations when converting uh, your, your courses over. So one is, going back to what Rich was just saying there, uh, how do you know which courses have the priority? You know, how, how are you gonna make that decision? Let's say you've, you've discovered that out of your 500 courses that you have in your LMS, or maybe 10,000 courses in your LMS, you know, uh, 20% of them are gonna, gonna have to be upgraded or converted. So where are you gonna begin with that? How, how are you going to, to make that decision there? And so some considerations in there are the usage. You know, I, I, is there anybody enrolled in that course right now? Now, that doesn't necessarily mean it's not getting used at all, because like a Code of Conduct course that's a yearly required course, maybe nobody's enrolled in today, but if you know the name of that course and the idea of the course uh, and and what department it was developed for and everything, then you, you know that, oh, well, if that's a Code of Conduct course, we're going to have to get that done by January. You know? So usage, the age of the course, um, if it's a really old course, you might want to make that a priority because you want to update that anyways. Uh, number of flash files in the course. Uh, if you know that it's a course that's primarily all HTML5 and it's gonna work great, but you have this one little flash animation in there, and it, you might make that a lower priority because you can always circle back around and, and get that one later. Um, and then, um, not sure what, what other, I, I threw others on there, but really I, I think that this is a per course, per business kind of, kind of decision. And then you need to think about well, how much effort is it going to take, and how long is it going to take to convert to convert these courses. And so, even, even if you have those source files, and we talked about, um, you know, even if you have the original Captivate file or the original Storyline file, uh, Lectora, uh, iSpring uh, files in there, then it's still e- even if all you want to do is open it, convert it, and republish it that's still going to take a while because if, if you think, you know, 10 minutes to grab the, the course, 10 minutes to open and convert, 10 minutes to publish, but then you're going to need to QA it too, because you, you have to make sure that no changes in the tool have actually affected the way your, your, your course works and runs. Maybe the way it handles graphics or the way it compresses the audio or something. So if you got an hour long course, you're going to have to figure, you know, an hour to two hours to, to QA that course as well.
0: Someone points out the uh, foreign language versions
2: too. Oh, excellent point there too. Yeah, yeah, you're going to have to grab all those all those foreign languages as well there too. Uh, so, so even even the that you know, oh great, we have we have the source files. All we got to do is convert this. Even that is, is going to take some time. If you got 500 courses and it takes you an hour of course, that's that's some time. Probably going to take you more like two hours of course. Uh, and then, when you're moving to a new tool, or if you don't have the the source files for, for the old course, so in other words, maybe you did it in uh, you know a, Adobe Presenter back in the day, and now you wanna move it to Adobe Captivate or something, um, then you're gonna have to get all, all the images and the audio at, should have been et cetera. I should get somebody to proofread this for me. <laughs> and then, um, <clears throat> This one has been um, interesting, and that is, that is recreating or reimagining. I think this says reimagining, but reimagining complex animations and interactions. And, and I'll give you an example. Uh, my, my company, GeForce Learning, we did a, a, a large conversion for a large restaurant chain, and they had uh, it was all custom Flash stuff, and they had in there a very interesting interaction where the the learner had to choose the right, uh, let's say, bread for, for the sandwich, and then choose the, r- the right sandwich, and, and put the right stuff on it, and then had to weigh it uh, as well. And so all that was one interaction to make sure that they made the, the right choices of ingredients and that they had the, the correct weight on, on there as well. And so you know, in Flash, you can build that pretty complex thing. Uh, we were moving to storyline, and so it took some, some creative re-engineering of those, those in there. Um, some of the other interactions they had, we were able to use some instructional design, separate it out a little bit, but for those, we had to come up with some, some fairly complex uh, set of triggers to, to evaluate whether or not they, they did like all four steps correctly, four very separate steps correctly on, on that one slide to get that done there. And then um, I'll let Rich talk to you a little bit about what eLearn Brothers' process is for um, taking these old courses and converting them.
1: Yeah, that the process would be. I mean, typically, well, we've, this has already happened, by the way. So thanks for that, um, James. Because we, you know, we, we've had a few clients who are trying to be very forward-thinking who come to us even as recently as the last couple of months, and um, I think we've had. We, we had one client approach us about a year ago, trying to get ready for this. Some big organizations, and many of you on the line today are with big organizations. You literally have hundreds of, or even thousands of different courses out there that probably this a tool like this could really, you could really benefit from a tool like this. Um, because like James was saying on one of your, your, his earlier slides, for you to actually step through and find that on your own is a lot of manpower, a lot of hours, and folks just yeah. oftentimes, in our experience, uh, that's why our custom team is in business is you don't have the time to do it yourself so um, typically what we'll do oh sorry go yeah, ahead James. Saying, one thing
2: I really love about Elon Brothers pressure too is they're not saying hey run this thing and then we've got a button and we're gonna magically convert They're say, they're saying you know let's let's gather all the data, make some smart choices, figure out not only do we want to convert this, but how can we make this a better course and, and, and move forward from there? Sorry,
1: I interrupted exactly, you. You're exactly right. And in fact, the one organization that came to us last year um, said exactly that. Can you help us identify what's out there and then uh, they've done a lot of identifying on their own. They had literally hundreds that they'd already identified and said, that, you know, the, the budget here is not, you know, it's not just this huge budget. We've got a finite amount of dollars to do this. Our internal team can't handle it. And then we're able to come up with some suggestions, like James was saying. Well, we, you know, we can do this type of a conversion for you. These can be rebuilt like this. Um, you know, we'll try to brainstorm with you to find out what's the right solution to fit kind of your, your need. Um, but where we're we're thinking, now that we're sitting here in April of 2019, um, I don't know if you guys remember the Y2K uh, stuff back in the day, but I think probably all of us on this call were engaged in some sort of panic mode activities to get us all ready for the turn of the century, you know, 19 years ago. Um, We're feeling like that wave's coming in the next few months where there's going to be a lot of just, you know, folks who need help to make sure they're not going to get crippled. When all of a sudden the their browsers just you know your browsers just don't support that anymore. So that's what this this tool is all about. It's kind of just help you helping us help you. I guess is really what we're what we're targeting. Right. So great job, James. Any questions popping up, Andrew, that we can answer? Yeah, we have a ton of questions. Enough questions will probably
0: fill up the remainder of our time here.
1: Right.
0: Um, you kind of addressed this earlier, James, but um. This person says that they publish all of their Storyline courses as Flash with HTML5 fallback. Are we to assume that those courses uh, will still work uh, or do we need to republish them as uh, HTML5? Or, or will those work at all? How, how will those work?
2: Yeah, for, for the most part they should work fine. I will say that there was uh, there was an issue with, I want to say with Storyline 2's, fallback for that. So their logic that they had to detect whether or not there was flash in there, uh, when when Chrome updated, and I think also Firefox, when they updated, that logic didn't work anymore, and so then it confused it. So uh, those you would just need to, to reopen and republish. So there w- there's a small set of Storyline courses that, that uh, improperly uh, I think it was storyline two that improperly identify whether or not there's flash, but for the most part, all those should work. I, w- I would say uh, there was a also a very similar issue with captivate for a while too, where uh, it just it captivate part of the way it was it was trying to handle the the problem was uh, if if it couldn't find Flash, then it would try to install Flash. And if it couldn't install Flash, then it would it would fall back to uh, the HTML5. But the problem was that uh, the browser was blocking the install. And so it would just get hung up in that. But they, they, they're they all real quick to fix it. It's just, if you happen to have published a course during that window, then then that course might, might have an issue with it, yeah.
0: Another question here, when republishing source files to HTML5, is there a better software to use? Uh, like articulate versus captivate?
2: Hmm. Yeah, I try to stay pretty tool agnostic. Um, I think part of it's gonna depend on your familiarity with the tools and uh, what the outcome to be. Um, Storyline definitely has advantages. Captivate has some advantages. If you're looking for mobile, um, Captivate has their responsive thing built in. But if you're not too concerned about mobile, Storyline scales up and down very nicely. Uh, It just doesn't rearrange the content. Although the Captivate rearranging the content can create more work for you as well too. So there's pros and cons of each. Um, I don't know if, me, myself, as, as a JavaScript developer, um, I, I like Captivate's uh, API for JavaScript, but if you're just republishing the course, you probably don't need to get in there and fiddle with a bunch of code. I always fiddle with the codes. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: another, so now there's lots of questions coming up about FlashFinder. Um, will it distinguish between the different tools, whether that be Storyline 2 versus Storyline 3, so that we can know if that fallback is likely to work or not work?
2: Ah yes, yes it will.
0: Okay, excellent. Um, here's another question. I work for a government agency, and there is no way that they'll let you install Flashfinder yeah. on our servers. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Is, is there a workaround where we headed that direction?
2: Sure. So. Um, <clears throat> It's, it wouldn't be installed on your server. This, I'm, I'm going to explain the technicalities of it, but it's probably still not going to help him uh, or her. Uh, we don't install it on your server. It runs on our server and it connects to your server over the internet through, through that API. Um, some folks do have their, their LMS behind a firewall. And so their IT department can open up a port for us so, so that we can uh, tunnel in through that, or they can whitelist the IP address of our, our server So it there. should
0: work on a high security network, assuming IT's going to create that portal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, another question, can the FlashFinder tool find all of the weird flash derivatives like Flex and uh, RoboDemo, et cetera?
2: Uh, yeah, so those those are published out. So actually, it looks for .swift files and .flv files. So those are published out as .swift
0: and .flv, as I recall. Yeah, yeah. All right. And oh man, I missed RoboHelp. Everybody's helped. gonna want to know what is the cost of the FlashFinder?
2: I'm gonna let Rich handle that one.
1: Uh, good question. I'm we, just. <laughs> we we we've got we, it's brand new, so we've just hit we just hit our website a few weeks ago. Um, the few uh, initial client engagements, typically it's like a custom project, um, which I always use the uh, analogy of uh, building a home for a client. You know, or for, if, we, if we were in the, bu- the business of building homes, it kind of depends on what we're talking about here, right? How big is it? How big is the engagement? What, um, how difficult is it going to be to really connect into your, to your network? Um, we're not talking about tens of thousands of dollars, I can tell you that. But so far, we're, we're, as we're getting into these engagements, we're kind of putting together um, price quotes that meet the level of engagement that clients are looking for. And we, off, we even answer questions like, what, how can we best help you in terms of what level of service will we provide? So it's kind of a, a technical service that James has created that works really, really well. and it's, it's an elegant solution, but it comes with a service offering on our end as well yeah. where we're able to say, tell us how much you'd like to engage our team to help you. And then, we, again, we do that brainstorming along the way. So uh, it's a custom quote. Let um, again get the best I can do to tell you. It's not tens of thousands, but it, I mean, we, we just kind of uh, brainstorm it with you and talk it through with you. It's real easy to give you a, a quick quote if you have any interest on that.
0: Rich, is there a better way for them to reach out about the flash finder than what's there on the screen? The 801-796-2767?
1: Well, yeah. I mean. You can go right to Scott. You know he's our he's our guy over the custom solutions team. You can come right to me. I'm just Richard at elearningbrothers.com. Um, you know I don't know if we send people usually to the website, just to the website no, portal hopefully. to put a request in, or whatever you'd recommend there, Andrew. Can they still see my screen? Yep, they're seeing your screen.
0: What we'll do is immediately after this webinar, we'll send an email to everybody that's on here, and it'll take you. We'll put a link in there that takes you to what James is showing here on the screen. Um, there's a form at the bottom of the page. In fact, when we send you the email, we'll put the form at the top just for you. Um, but you can tell us a little bit about what, what you're doing so that when we get you back with a quote, we can get you uh, an accurate estimate of, of what, what would best fit your needs. Um, coming back to these questions, um, there's lots of questions about using uh, Captivate. If I am exporting in Captivate, um, at what version do I need to be worried about it creating a SWIFT file? Or a, uh, or a Flash file?
2: Yeah, so, so when, you, when you export it um, in any of the new... I want to say it was starting with eight, they had a, an HTML5 option, although not very robust. And then nine and forward, uh, it was a much more robust tool. So when you go to publish, uh, there's, there's an option, um, do you want to publish to Flash or HTML5 or both? Um, and so you, you can select that option there. Um, so if you choose xML5 it won't publish any flash the exception being is if if you import it in some custom flash thing um, captivate also can be a little harder because um, there used to be a fairly large ecosystem of people building plugins for flash I forget what uh, uh, captivate I forget what they're called but but they widgets widgets. so people could build these widgets that, that, that plugged in and almost all those are, are flash based and so if you if you using those uh, third-party widgets, then those will probably need, that logic will need to be replaced in those as well.
0: Okay, um, one more question uh, that we can take today here. Our LMS provider is Saba. If we go ahead and purchase the Flash Finder, do we need to have Saba install it to their server or our organization's server?
2: No, no, so it's, it's, it's installed on uh, eLearning Brothers web server, so it's installed on our server, and it just makes a, a connection to, to the other server. And so it does that over, over the API. Um, for, for each LMS, their API is a little different than somebody else's a, a, API. So in other words, in the code, it might be like a get all course files, but and for another LMS, it might be get files for course. And so we, we have to customize that connection for, for each LMS. Um, but it, it doesn't you don't need to install Flash Finder anywhere. Uh, we're, we have Flash Finder installed on our web servers, and so we just need to put the, the right information into our robot, and then the robot will, will make the connection, make a phone call to your LMS and start asking the questions.
0: What is the recommended deadline uh, for getting, getting Flash out, converted, removed? What would you recommend?
2: Uh, so, I'm trying to recall the dates in my head, but um, Adobe is stopping support for Flash in the next month or so, and then uh, the browsers have different dates that they're going to stop support for shortly after that. So, some of them have not given a specific date that they're just saying in 2020, uh, which could mean January, it could... could could mean uh, late 2020. So there's depending on what browser somebody's using, the the date varies. But it's 2020 is, is the drop dead. Um, I I think that you you really need to, to plan ahead because as I said, there's a, there's a lot of things that go into it. You know, if this is a a, a course people only take in February, um, you can probably get away with it this February. But you're going to want to make sure that course is fixed before next February. If it's a course that you know they you know they have to take. Uh, at various points during the year, then you might want to jump on that one sooner rather than later.
0: And a round of applause to James Kingsley from eLearning Brothers for this episode. For more learning inspiration and resources, visit eLearningBrothers.com.